You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. All right, Psalm 30. We will notice some very familiar lines, very familiar lines in Psalm 30. The heading of this psalm, and again, we note that these headings uh, are older than the time of Jesus. They are at least as old as the Septuagint. It describes this psalm as a psalm of David. And it says a psalm at the dedication of the temple. Well, our first thought of that is, that's funny, David wasn't at the dedication of the temple. Uh, but it appears that just as, this, just as uh, when he had left piles of, of uh, cedar timbers and stacks of iron and bronze and fittings and all sorts of things so that the temple could just be, you know, as soon as Solomon was uh, enthroned and said, go, they could just go start picking up supplies and putting things together. It appears he might have left also a stack of, of songs for when it was ready. And so the dedication of the temple was at least seven years after David's death, but uh, this appears to be a psalm that he had uh, prepared and left for that occasion. Like so many psalms uh, of David in this section, we would note how aptly they apply and the lessons taught if we think of Christ himself speaking. So if David speaks... There, there's one set of applications and, and thoughts and meditations we can have that are profitable for us. But if it's Christ, who we think of as the speaker, uh, th- there's additional depth there and additional points. And again, I don't think we are far off in thinking that. I don't think that's a fanciful notion. For in the next psalm, verse uh, uh, 6 of, of, of uh, the 31st psalm, uh, we have these words, or the uh, fifth verse, pardon into your hands I commit my spirit. Where do we know those words from? They're in the Psalms, but we, we know them from the cross. So it's not a fanciful notion to think of these as Psalms of Christ. Well, let's read uh, our Psalm, and we'll think of Christ, and we'll think of David. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up, and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol, and you restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Well, if it's David, that's an apt metaphor. Uh, Coming back from the grave to enjoy the things of life when all would have seemed hopeless. But if this is the words of Christ, that's absolutely literally true. Right? So then the familiar words, probably to us for this psalm, verses 4 and 5. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes with the morning. Those are the words of this psalm we're probably most familiar with. That wonderful song of hope. As for me, verse 6, I said, 
in my posterity. I shall never be moved, right? I shall not be moved. We think about oh, back in chapter 1, the tree planted by the waters, and Jeremiah barred the same figure. By your favor, O Lord, you make my salvation stand strong. You hid my face and I was dismayed. Think about Jesus on the cross, when forsaken by God. Or think about David in those lonely moments when it seemed that God was not with him. But still they both had faith. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell, you, tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. Psalm 23 with that line. But this is one where when we think of Christ and David, we come to very different applications and meditations and thoughts. What profit is there in my death? To David, if his enemies killed him, who would be, you know, he, the Lord's anointed, he who wanted to do so much for the Lord and the Lord had done so much through him. For him, if he was to die, he could see how would that profit, right? That would be such a loss because we've lost the anointing of God. But if that's Christ, what is the profit in his death? It's to all of us the greatest prophet, isn't it? Why is it that this Friday will be called Good Friday by the religious world? Why is the day of death Good Friday? Because it was good for us. Yes, there was infinite profit in his death. If he went down to the pit, and so he would remain with us, though he was taken from us for a short while. So verse 11, the joy that comes... The joy that comes for David, it would be the joy of persisting in life. For Christ, it would be the joy in returning to life. Verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I'll give thanks to thee forever. For David, that's the joy of prosperity again. And giving thanks forever is you know, sort of hyperbole. But if, if we think of Christ, we think about the, the sorrow that was with he, his disciples when he was taken, but their joy would return. And when Christ comes and returns from the pit, and he says, Oh my God, I give thanks to thee forever. There's no hyperbole in that, is there? It's the actual, literal truth. Just like Hebrews would say, that he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He ever lives. He lives forever to give thanks and praise to God. Does he not? And so, Psalm 30. Like so many of these psalms, read it twice. Read it of the people and of their king, David. But also read it of the people and our king, Christ. And we see new depths for us to consider. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available online at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.